Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, welcome again. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and glad to have uh, you with us as all together as we kick off uh, the new year. Uh, hopefully, you had a great Christmas. If you were here last week, you saw the, the highlights. It was the uh, biggest Christmas ever for us uh, at Timberlake, even uh, here in the Redmond campus, snowing a little bit towards the end, and uh, it was just amazing uh, what God did. About 100 people made uh, commitments to Christ, and uh, just a wonderful time. And then uh, Pastor Shane here on our Redmond campus and the other campus pastors uh, did a great job last weekend as well. Well, I'm starting a new series uh, called Game Changers, and I, I, I wanted to do a quasi-football uh, theme because uh, I thought, you know, uh, there's a play that could be like a game changer. Uh, it could change the trajectory for an entire game. And that happened to the Seahawks, but not in the way I hoped it would have happened. Uh, so, uh, did, and you know, sometimes we have those things that happen the way, uh, a little differently than we had hoped. Uh, I, I don't know if I've shared this story before, but Dave Nelson, who preaches here quite often, uh, he was doing a, uh, a wedding ceremony. And uh, as he was doing the wedding ceremony, he was talking about, you know, just how important marriage is, and that's a big commitment, and... Uh, that, you know, how uh, it's really something that's meant for life. And so he's going, uh, uh, Michael, do you take Sarah uh, to be your, your wedded wife? Because Sarah is the one uh, for you that God has for you. And he's just going, he's pe- preaching a powerful message. And she interrupts him. And she goes, I'm sorry, my name is Michelle. <laughs> Sarah was his first wife. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, that is called a bad day when you're a pastor. Uh, that is called a bad day. We all have those bad days. And that's, uh, I was thinking about this when I um, was living down in Santa Barbara. So we had a home. We were able to get a home in Santa Barbara. And I was clean. We had a hot tub. It was there when I bought the, bought the home. We had a nice, uh, nice hot tub. And I finally cleaned it. I scrubbed it out. And the day I scrubbed it out, uh, there was a storm that night, so it was, it was empty, and the water pushed it up, broke all the, the uh, cement around it and all of that. The home had just sold, and then the people said that I had to fix this hot tub now, which was thousands of dollars. And so I spent the thousands of dollars uh, because I wanted to make sure, because otherwise I wouldn't have gotten... $300,000 for a four-bedroom home in Santa Barbara. I'd still own it today. Wouldn't that be a shame? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just wish I would have said, you know, no deal. <laughs> uh, no deal. Um, we think of life often in terms of regrets and not repeating those regrets instead of that, that positive momentum. 
And, and it's a little hard to grasp, and especially in this area that I, I want to talk about today. And that's that area of uh, game-changing faith. If you'll take your outlines out of your program, we're going to look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's actually a definition for faith. Now, if you were to say, hey, I'm not, you know, uh, haven't, haven't been a Christian that long, or I haven't really even made a commitment yet, uh, this is going to be really important for you to understand sort of why this is a driver for us. Because you don't want to get this wrong. There, there are many questions you can get wrong in life, but when it comes to the God question and how he impacts my life and my eternity, we don't want to get that wrong. And uh, we also want to know how to live that out. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance what we do not see. And that, that can seem uh, a little bit uh, nebulous to us. Sometimes we're like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't get that if I, if I can't see it and I can't touch it. We're going to talk about some practical ways that we can build our faith uh, in, in 2018. But before I go there, I, for many of us, we've made a faith commitment at some point in our life. We've believed in God. We've accepted, maybe you've accepted Christ. And I, I've talked to so many people who start out strong and then their faith falters. So before we can build our faith, we have to say, how can I keep it from faltering? I, I was just, I was uh, reading uh, on Facebook, I was reading some people's posts and uh, they were talking about even some, some spiritual books, definitely not Christian. And, I, and I, I've read it, not just because I'm a Christ follower, I disagree with it. It's just honestly just some really silly thinking about life. And I know these folks, and I'm like, you, you, you've gone away from that transformational faith to wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is not worth giving your life to. Well, how does faith falter? Uh, I think one of the ways is by thinking little things don't matter. Uh, it's those little faith disciplines that we have that matter. I mean, you think about it, other area of your life. I've, you know, talked to people around the holidays, people struggling in their marriage. And it's not that, boom, hey, he just left me, she just left me. There, wasn't, there were a lot of little decisions before the big decision was ever made. I, I don't know about you. I, I had uh, been doing real well. I, I shared. I lost some weight. And then the holidays came, and it was horrible. And I made a couple decisions during the holiday. I, I gained a little weight, and I thought I didn't want to be depressed, so I stopped weighing myself. I thought that would be a good thing. You know? I mean, no, literally, I make decisions like this. You know? I, I, I got, have you, have you ever, any of you eat Skinny Pop? Uh, popcorn? Yeah, it's this big bag of popcorn. By the way, it doesn't make you skinny. I want to let you know that. Uh, so I was eating like one of those big bags every two days. I stopped using my fitness pal. And then uh, we went out. We got this. Someone uh, uh, gave us this gift uh, card for Fuega de Chao. It's a, a Brazilian steakhouse. Any of you ever been there? Oh, yeah, a lot of you. It is heaven. It is like they bring you meat all the time, and they, can, and they don't stop. They have like a green card, which is go, and a red card, which is for wimpy people. And, and so I'm like, no, this is staying on green the whole time. 
And then, so I made those little decisions, and then finally, okay, and then I said, okay, uh, I'm going to make the little decisions the other way. So the last 11 days, uh, uh, I have been good. Who knows what, <laughs> who knows what tomorrow will look like. There's also, uh, too, is drifting from community. I think that oftentimes we think we can live life alone, and we can, but it's hard to live a life that honors God alone. I was uh, speaking at a church, uh, not, in fact, I had a number of great guest speakers last couple months. People loved them. I'm going to have, uh, I think, almost all of them back at some time soon. And I, some of the weekends I've been speaking at other places. Well, uh, I got this note from a, a pastor about someone who had attended his church and had stopped attending. He said, your sermon uh, was uh, power, powerful, especially for one woman who happened to come after five months of absence. She heard your message and it struck a chord. And he described how he had seen her less and less and then not at all. And it's sort of an inappropriate relationship. And then that got really toxic. Uh, he said, both her and her husband, though, made a decision to come in on Tuesday to see me to reinitiate a plan of restoration and to pray in confession and repentance. And he said, thank you for letting God use you in a complicated situation. See, oftentimes we, we can make those little decisions that lead us away from community, away from God. But we don't understand that the road back is easier than you think. But it's only easy if we start. And then there's this, is believing that it's just a season. Uh, now, I've seen this happen, especially when it comes to faith. Uh, you know, you have uh, busyness in life, right? Okay, now this is easy because, you know, the Seahawks lost. And so, <laughs> unless you're a total diehard football fan, uh, you know, there's not football getting way of community and church and all of that. But things happen, right? There's kids' soccer, and they always, you know, the scheduler is a Satanist, schedules it on Sunday morning all the time. And, you know, we know those kind of things happen, right? And it's just these uh, little things that tend to build. And then we go in a season and we're away from God. Where maybe, yeah, you know, I'm not really uh, in, in a Bible study or, or worshiping or whatever it is. And it becomes a pattern and then it becomes a long time. It's not that we earn a relationship with God through doing religious things. You really don't. But there's some disciplines of faith. That draws closer to Jesus. And then there's God limits. This is, where, uh, th this is where we forget that God is God. You know, there's, there's habits of faith. And then there's trusting the God of the universe. Oftentimes we'll, we have a personality and we'll lean towards one or the other. Will be, hey, you know, uh, I just do these disciplined things. I read my Bible. I go to church. I'm, I serve. I'm, I'm in a growth group. I, I pray. I give. All of those things, which are good disciplines. I'm going to talk about some of those. But then there's realizing that God is still in the miracle business. That when uh, all your discipline and all your resources fail, maybe before they do, that God still works miracles. And I'll tell you what, even as a pastor, it's tough for me. I was, uh, last weekend I was speaking in another church. 
uh, in uh, Wenatchee. I don't know if Wenatchee in the winter was a good idea, but (laughs) I was uh, uh, preaching at this church in Wenatchee, and some people came up to great church, great church. Uh, uh, In fact, uh, packed out on New Year's Eve weekend, and and on the first service, uh, a lady came up to me and uh, said, hey, will you come over here and pray for this person? Uh, she is uh, going blind, has some vision issues. And, you know, I, I, I have some significant ones as well, and so it's close to home. And so I'm praying for her. And see, here's, I know these things about God. I know God doesn't owe me anything, right? God doesn't owe me a miracle. He doesn't owe me anything. But I know he can do miracles. And so we live in this tension. And so I'm praying for her, and I'm like, okay, God, will you heal her? And, and, and But, you know, then I'm remembering uh, in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where, like, the, their, uh, their, their lives are in danger. And they say, God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still trust him. And, and, and so I'm praying, and I'm trying to pray with faith, and, and God's will be done, and she's healed. And, and then I go, and I uh, walk away, and I'm like, uh, I'm pretty lame. Do I still believe in the God of miracles? And so I didn't even think about it. About, uh, about 20 minutes later, right before the service, uh, another uh, lady comes up to me and she said, hey, I don't know if you remember me when I visited uh, your church. And I go, you look familiar. And she said, yeah, you prayed for my daughter. Her daughter was uh, over here in the hospital and uh, had not been doing real well, was in a coma in, in long enough at that point where people don't come out of it and uh, she described the situation and then she said by the way this is her and I'm like hey bring me that blind lady I want to pray for her again (laughs) you know I'm a man of faith and power I guess you know Uh, so I I, I'm like but that's not supposed to happen And, and it was one of those things where I was reminded that I shouldn't limit God that when, when it seems like there's no hope, that God is in the business of hope. And, and, and I think God gives us those glimpses, those miracles, so we will trust him. And maybe you're at a place where you say, hey, I'm doing great, Ben. Well, I want you to continue to do great. But if you're not, I, I encourage you to stretch your faith, not in you, but in God. Who will never leave you. Who will never forsake you. There's an account in the Bible that came to mind after that. And it's the one I want to speak on this weekend. It's a little longer passage of scripture. And and, and it really talks about this game changing faith. And we see these small steps this person takes to big faith. By the way, this is not a very religious person. And so here's what we read, Uh, follow along in your Bibles or on the screen or in your uh, program, wherever you want to. Uh, This is uh, from the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Uh, There was a centurion servant, a centurion, just think, basically a military officer, uh, whom his master valued highly, who was sick, and about to die. So, so right there, he's in a crisis situation. Someone he cares for is sick. And it says, uh, then the centurion heard of Jesus. So he's saying, okay, maybe there's someone who can do something. But he's not a Jewish person. He's not, he doesn't belong to that faith, really. He, he was curious. We, we can 
uh, see that, and, and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking uh, to come and heal his servant. So he sends emissaries. He says, I can't even come. I'll take another step. Maybe Jesus will listen to these other people who are religious people. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this uh, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Now, uh, so Jesus went with them. Now, when uh, we read that, sometimes we think, okay, this guy deserved it. And maybe he did. But when I read about Jesus and the, and the miracles he worked, there are a lot of people who didn't deserve it. I was thinking about the, the criminal on the cross who was crucified next to him. He hadn't probably done anything really good in his life. And yet, when he just says, Jesus, will you remember me? Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. When there's a woman caught in adultery, and we don't even hear, I mean, hopefully she, she repented of it. We don't see that in the story. Maybe, maybe it was there and just left out of the story, but uh, Jesus says, I don't condemn you. And he offers her forgiveness when everyone else wanted to stone her to death. And honestly, just the shame that she would feel in her life. Story after story. Zacchaeus, who is a traitor to his nation, a greedy guy, he, and everyone would disassociate with. Jesus says, I will associate with you. So we see this this propensity of Jesus to work miracles, to, to draw us to him at the points when it, maybe he wasn't on our radar. If he was, we know that there's a barrier, there's uh, a sin. Maybe our faith needs to be built. Well, it's not a barrier for him. We read on in the story. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. Uh, we can... Uh, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I don't even consider myself worthy to come to you. So he's a humble guy. He's saying, you know, I, I don't even deserve to have you around me. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I, and that is sort of funny. He's applying the logic he had just from his everyday experience. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes and I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him he said I tell you I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Incredible miracle and so unlikely you know, there were a lot of good uh, religious people around, and I'm sure they, they needed miracles as well. And Jesus is sort of proving a point in who he reaches out to. And, and it, it's a faith builder for any of us, no matter where we've come from. And we see these steps he took along the way. He, he recognized he had a crisis. He had people help him he reached out to Jesus he understood his own barrier his own and so all these steps and it really is a, a formula of sorts that I, I was thinking about it's that trust that faith plus participation it equals transformational moments because it's not 
just big things. It's the little things. It's taking that step. Now, again, I think that uh, for uh, maybe for you, maybe you're in the business world and all of that, or maybe some other area of your life, uh, we can r- relate to that. I came across this video. This is uh, I, I, not not from uh, a Christian organization or anything like that. Just uh, a woman who's who's talking about how she was at one of those crisis moments and just the power of some small steps. Take a look at this. And so I found myself at the age of 41, like just feeling like a complete failure. And I would lie there and I would think about the lien on the house and I would think about the uh, bankruptcy that we were facing. And I would think about how much we had fought the night before. And I would think about the fact that I was unemployed and I would hit the snooze button. And why would you get up when your life is like that? Why would you? In the scheme of life, hitting the snooze button is not that big of a deal. But here's the thing about life. None of us wake up and say, today is the day I destroy my life. What we do is we kind of check out because it feels overwhelming. Or we check out because we're afraid. Or we check out because we start listening to self-doubt. And then we make these teeny tiny decisions all day long. We don't even realize it. Decision to not get up on time. A decision to not eat the right thing. A decision to snap at your kids. A decision to not speak in a meeting, a decision to not look for a job, a decision to not deal with your finances, a decision to not call your parents, like whatever it is. All day long, these tiny decisions that take you so far off track. And I was about to turn off the TV, and there on the, the TV, there was this rocket launching, and I thought, oh my gosh, that is it. I am going to launch myself out of bed like a rocket ship, like NASA, right here, had launched me out of that bed. And I'm going to move so fast that I don't think. I'm going to beat my brain. The next morning, the alarm goes off, and um, I pretended NASA was there. It's the stupidest story. I literally went five, four, three, two, one. I counted out loud, and then I stood up. And I'll never forget standing there in my bedroom. It was dark. It was cold. It was winter in Boston. And for the first time in three months, I had beaten my habit of hitting the snooze button. Is she not the most intense person you've ever seen? But but it but I hope who heard the story behind the story just is is taking a step to change the reality, and so I, my guess is that well I know this is that when it comes to those big areas of faith that we're in one of four categories and I'm going to talk about that normally when uh, I speak a message there's usually one primary application like this is one thing I'm encouraging you to do today. But here's the thing, I don't know where God wants to work powerfully in your life. So it's a little different. I'm suggesting four very biblical central mandates that I'm asking everyone here to do all all four at some level. That you would say, I'm going to make a commitment to all four. And it's it's not a commitment to Ben or even as much Timberlake, although it's your church home, so most of this will happen here. But it's a commitment to God. And there's four, four categories. And it could be something to start. This would be, you know what? This is something I, I really have not done regularly in my life. Uh, and why not? Why not start today? Or maybe something to continue. There's areas, you know, we don't have to pretend that everything is going poorly in our lives. There are areas of my life, trust me, that... Uh, you would say, I cannot believe that he is a pastor and he struggles with that area of his life, you know. Uh, the, uh, I, I've shared with you, I have a little bit of a potty mouth and God needs to heal that. 
And, uh, but you know what? I have a great quiet time devotional time. I have for 25 years, almost never missed a single day I spend time with the Lord. And uh, so there's areas where I do well. There's areas where I still struggle. And I think that's all of us, right? That we're going to have areas where we're doing well, areas where we struggle. So there's start, there's continue if you're doing well. There's refresh. Hey, I used to be doing well in this area, but I'm not anymore. I've gotten off track. And then there's accelerate. It's like I'm going to deep dive. And there's really uh, these, these biblical mandates of growth. Uh, the first one is easy because you all, as, as uh, Pastor Shane said, you have a perfect attendance for the year, is worship. Uh, is, uh, worship is actually central. New Testament, Old Testament. Uh, you know, we do a lot of missions and serving around here. Uh, and we believe that's really important. People say, oh, that's the most important thing. It actually is not. It comes from worshiping God. It comes driven by a relationship with God. And, and you can get away from that. Uh, King David, a uh, complex guy, if you've been around the Bible, you've heard a, a lot about him. He, he said this. He said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And, and as he said that, you get, if you read that whole psalm, and we don't have time to read the whole psalm today, you get the idea that he sort of weighed his options to check out on God. But he decided, no, I want to be in God's presence. And uh, I would encourage you. I was thinking, you know, uh, for you, if you say, hey, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying, you know, uh, come to Timberlake the rest of your life. I'm saying for this month, say, you know what, for, for four weeks I'm going to come to church. I'm going to actually make that the priority and I'm going to see, God, do you have anything for me? Maybe it's through the message. Maybe it's through someone you're going to talk to. Maybe it's through the time uh, of worship. And by the way, some of you need to know, when the team is up here leading worship, you can sing with them if you want to. <laughs> it's legal in everything. That's why we have the words up there, you know. And uh, a, a friend of mine who, who just uh, not never really been to a church in his life, and, and he's about 40 years old, just started coming to Timberlake. And uh, he, he said, I thought this was no weird stuff. What's all this? I see people raising their hands. And, uh, and, and as I've said before, I said, this is, this, what's the universal sign of surrender? Like, like this, you know, our child. And, and so it's this openness to God. It's not like I'm not spiritual, sort of spiritual, really spiritual. There's not a barometer of sorts. Uh, but it's just that posture. It's, it's, fun, it's, it's funny. The Bible actually says that, uh, that our heart is in our hands and it, that there's that, this posture of openness to God. Because you've been in a conversation with someone and they've not been listening, right? You can be in church and not be open. Uh, and, and again, this is not to, you know, the, the hand thing, it's an, it truly is an act of worship. talks about it 14 times in the Bible. It's not to get you to do that. I'm just saying your heart, whatever that looks like for you. See, I, I've seen it be the most powerful thing in the world. Uh, quick story. 
uh, I, shared, I shared this a number of years ago, probably most of you haven't heard this one, uh, is I was at funeral. Lady, she, a great lady in the church I pastored in San Diego, uh, I was not performing the, uh, the ceremony, I was just attending, one of our associates was performing the, the ceremony. Uh, she loved two things. She loved the military, <laughs> she was an officer in the Navy, uh, and she loved her daughter. And a great young girl babysat my kids, and uh, she, she died just suddenly and uh, unexpectedly, and we were at her funeral. And so here she is, is this, what, she was a single mom, and she'd poured all her life into, uh, into her daughter, into the Navy, and into her relationship with the Lord. And I remember after the service, and the service was, it's just hard when a teenager dies. I mean, it's just, no matter what's said, it's hard. Uh, that as everyone was leaving, there was a worship song. And uh, so, so no one was like, people were leaving. And uh, she just stood up, and she just raised her hands to God, and she just closed her eyes. And she just was worshiping him in that moment. And I was reminded of what it says in the, in the book of Job, the guy who lost everything. Uh, Though he slay me, I will worship him. God, in, in my most painful moment, your presence is what I know can be transformational. And so I encourage you uh, to do it. This has been a great year. Timberlake grew again this year. Great. So, so we want you to come. Your, but you're, you're not important just to fill a seat. You're important. Okay, you, you, I don't know if you heard the story. Did you hear the story about those two guys who were friends for 60 years? They were best friends, and they, it was in the news recently, and uh, they were best friends, and then they found out that they're actually brothers. Any of you hear that story? Yeah. And so, if, if, you're, if, this, if you say, hey, you know, I, I'm part of this, you're not just friends, you're family. And I want that to be your reality this year. And that really leads to number two, connection. And that's enjoying uh, life uh, with others. It says, where for two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. And there's so many, we hear this so many times again of, of people. Here are some of the notes I received just in the last couple of weeks after Christmas. I love how passages of the Bibles are taught and explained in a way that makes it sense to someone like me who wasn't raised in church. There is an improvement I felt in the past few months, uh, and any doubts I've had before have been washed away. Talked one person talking about uh, my friend I brought to church left up uplifted. The financial peace class uh, helped me when my financial world fell apart. And it's just about saying, is it true that's life better when we when we walk through this together? I believe it is. So, so easy ways to do that. Uh, if you've been to membership, uh, our membership seminar, by the way, if you don't want to join at the end of it, you really don't have to. It just, it, one, make sure that we have a biblical theology, that we're not, you know, some of these making it up on the fly, sort of a weird deal. We're sort of a, just a basic, basic church when we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, we believe the Bible actually impacts our lives today. And then why we do what we do. Why are, why are we invested in, in ministry, in the church, in our community, with the homeless in the world? And what, what, is it different? Uh, 
there's a reason behind that. So if you've never been to that, I encourage you to go that. And then growth groups. Uh, those are transformational. A third aspect of this, so, so, so do you need to start? Do you need to accelerate? Do you need to continue? What's that for you? A third uh, aspect of that is generosity, and that's committing to God's work. Um, and if you've uh, been a around here a lot, uh, that one of the things we teach is that, that our, our finances as we give to the Lord, it makes a real impact. And, and I always say, if, if that makes you mad, you don't have to go to another church and give there. Just give there, and God will get a hold of your heart. Because, uh, oh, all about money. And it, really not. But Jesus said, where your, where your money is, your heart will be also. Je Jesus said that's a primary indicator. And so, uh, again, don't feel guilty if like, okay, I'm not do that or I'm out of habit. You know what? Do you need to start? You say, I've never done that before. Start somewhere. Do you need uh, to continue? Maybe you say, you know, I, I'm not only a giver, I'm a generous proportional percentage giver. Just continue. Know that God uh, blesses that. Maybe you need to restore that. You say, you know what, I need to get back on track with that. Uh, or maybe accelerate. You say, hey, my, my uh, God has blessed me in a way that my giving doesn't uh, really reflect. My daughter, who spoke with me a couple weeks, how many of you were here when my daughter spoke with me? Didn't she do an awesome job? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got lots of uh, good feedback. People said, man, she was better than you are. I'm like, well, thanks. Go to another church. No, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, but uh, it, it was, but so it's sort of funny. I love my kids because they're, one, as they're out of the house, but they still love to spend time with us, which is, now you know if they really like you. Uh, and then uh, she has this job. Uh, she has a great job and actually a full-time job when she graduates, but she's working part-time. And she's going to this church, a great church in Florida where she loves, and she's already serving there. And uh, she was talking about her, her giving there, and she said, yeah, you know, uh, my job, she's uh, a part-time job, gets paid, uh, you know, every week. She said, I get, I get paid like 340 bucks a week. And so it's like, she goes, but it just seems so lame to tie $34. And uh, she said, so I've, I've just, uh, so I've decided I'm going to give 50, and it's like, God has and has given me all this side work, and so it's more than covered it in that. And I'm like, so you're doing extra work to cover your giving habit. And, and I'm like, wow. It, that's, that's one of those challenging things uh, for that. But here's the thing. I know most people have good intention. But some people say people are greedy. I don't know how 99% of people are not greedy. They're just not in the habit of it. And so one of the things that we're encouraging this year is, is you'll have in your uh, uh, program, if you go ahead and take that out, that generosity rock star. And so, so here's, uh, and I'm not going to talk about percentage or how much. That's really not the point of this. The point of it is to just be regular. And so what, so what I'm encouraging everyone in the church to do is to just automate your giving. Now, I know for some of you, you're in a business where you have no idea how much you're going to be making month to month. Most of us know 
what we're going to make or they're about. And, and, maybe, and just start, you know, uh, uh, somewhere. You say, well, I'm, I feel guilty. I'm not giving like your daughter is. Well, you know, if, it, if it's 20 bucks a week, whatever it is, I encourage every one of us and just get in the habit because the habit will help determine our heart. And so I really want every single person who calls this your church home, if it's not your church home or you don't believe, and by the way, if you're having financial struggles last year, we gave over $100,000 to people in our church who are having financial struggles. So we're your family. But it's because of the generosity uh, that people do that. It, it, we, we read this. It said, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And then the fourth aspect of this is really the most important all. Although I'm saying do all four, is grace. Is that habit of living in God's grace. And God's grace means forgiveness, we know that. It means service, though. And it means kindness. We're told in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive. Uh, you know, isn't this, this last part is a hard part of that verse, isn't it? Because we want to hold on to bitterness. There was someone who did something uh, not so nice to me, and it's been 10 years, and I realized uh, I was holding on to some bitterness. And then I remember Forgive as the Lord forgave me. He, gave, he forgives us instantly, completely, when we don't deserve it. And then part of this grace is that we're there for each other. It says each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then finally, 1 John 3.18, it says... Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so, so I'm talking about these small steps of faith. When we get to that crisis of faith, when we get to that maybe our struggles, our doubts, or we're saying, God, I need a miracle. That will say, God, as I, as I worship you, you are present. As I connected with other people, I didn't feel lonely anymore. As I was generous, I still had resources, maybe more than before. As I showed grace, it's not that people trampled all over me. It's that I was more like you. And that this will be a year of game-changing faith for you. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.